Welcome to the talk show for talkers on irishtalkers.com. Welcome to part two of the talk show for talkers here on irishtalkers.com. And we're delighted to bring you a piece from a lady called Santosh Bano. My apologies, Santosh, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Now, Santosh is, uh, I guess she's Indian. Uh, she lives in London, England. And she is one of the founders of the Asian Circle in London. And the Asian Circle is part of the charity The Circle, which is founded by Annie Lennox, OBE. And it's a network of British women from diverse backgrounds supporting disadvantaged women in South Asia. And it was launched in the House of the Parliament in 2013, November. The title of her piece is Nurturing Circles, The Power of Care. So let's listen to this and we'll maybe have a few comments afterwards. Imagine the setting. The Houses of Parliament, a big ornate room, my heart pounding, my hands sweaty, and I hear myself say, every woman has basic human rights. Every woman has basic human rights. I'm talking about the launch of the Asian Circle that I did last month at the House of Parliament in front of 200 women, professional women from all walks of life, accountants, entrepreneurs, designers, you name it, they were there. MPs, two MPs, a minister. And here I was, launching the Asian Circle, a network of women coming together to support vulnerable women in India and South Asia. A group of women uniting through nurturing circles from UK, to India and South India. What was I doing here? I reflect back. My father came from India at the age of 20. I'm of Indian descent. And he came with an opportunity that he'd got in the police force. And on the flight over to the UK, he met someone who said, you can go to the Midlands and you can find a job in the Goodyear's tyre factory. They'll take you on. You look like a, a strong, burly man. And so he did that. He worked, he toiled, 18-hour day. And in within about seven months, he managed to actually save enough money to bring my mother over. And they built an amazing community house. It was a house full of buzz, full of humdrum. There were people that dropped in for sugar, for milk, for having their forms filled in, for financial advice. We were five girls, and this was an Indian hospitality house. And those of you who have Indian friends will understand this, because the mothers, as you go to the house, feed you non-stop, non-stop. So we five girls, we actually brought in teas, coffees, 
the goodies that my mother had actually baked. And although we mumbled and grumbled in the, ha in the background, in the kitchen, we did actually enjoy it. So this was a community house that had major impact on me as I was growing up, through all of that nurturing. My father was an amazing visionary. He believed that girls should be equal to men, not the Germaine Greer, bra-burning type of woman, but women that had to have respect, that had a voice, and that had equal intellect to men. And for this, he believed that education was absolutely key, and I agreed with him. And so I studied. I studied hard, and yes, I was a bit geeky. But it was important for me to achieve. And I went to university, and I got a PhD in pharmaceutical sciences, and I early embarked on a career in academia. And in my research, did what I thought was amazing things, like working a team on artificial blood, developing artificial blood, synthetic blood that could actually carry high levels of oxygen and be used on the front line to save lives. Some time on, I decided I'd have a taste of the commercial world. And so I moved to Procter & Gamble, working in healthcare, again a nurturing environment, and worked on the Vicks brand. And those of you who have used Vicks Vaporub or Vicks Cough Syrup may have had a little bit of input from my own tender hands. <laughs> 20 years on, I loved, I loved corporate world. I loved the 24-7 full-on. I loved the buzz around product launches and actually being part of a very strong, solid institute. But now I was feeling that something was missing. Something else, I thought, is what I need to do. And so, taking a big leap of faith, 16 months ago, I left. I left the corporate world looking for this thing. And in my sort of exploration, I did a lot of looking around in the charity sector and I met the CEO of Oxfam, who shared with me, the CEO of Oxfam in India, who shared with me a lot of the work that they were doing in India. And I was quite taken aback at the strength of the work that they were doing. And then I was asked, would I like to found the Asian Circle? Would I? I wasn't sure. I had to be sure. And so I spent two years earlier this year in India with Oxfam looking at their projects and looking at what they were actually achieving. And in that search, I saw women, women subjected to awful, awful, torturous domestic violence. And I met Leela. Leela told me her story. I was 16 years old, and I was married. I went to my husband's house. I toiled. I woke up at dawn, and I had to cook on an open fire, often burning my hands. Then I washed the pots, I washed the pans. I had to clean the floors, 
and as sunrise came up, I was sent into the fields to collect the cereal. I came back in the evening, tired, exhausted, but then I had to cook the evening meal. And after that, I had to wash the pots and pans again. And then my husband dragged me into the bedroom for sex. This was awful. But within months, I started to get beaten. And the beating and the beating didn't stop. And I was black and blue. Black and blue. And then I became pregnant. And after eight months, my husband packed up my bag and said, go back to your parents' house. If you have a boy, I will come and fetch you. If you have a daughter, I don't want to know. Girls are trouble. And luckily, Leela actually had a daughter, a son, and her husband brought her back. But within weeks of coming back, she was actually beaten again and again. And this time, her husband threw her out and said, only come back if you can bring that much amount of dowry money. And Leela couldn't. Her father couldn't afford it. So Leela went back to her parents' house. And as the tears rolled down her eyes, she said, it's 15 years nearly now since I've seen my son. I have a son that's just a little bit older than that. And I know what it would be like if I didn't actually see my son. And this was the tipping point for me. Every woman has basic human rights, and I knew I had to help. So coming back to the Houses of Parliament and the launch of the Asian Circle, I know that what I'm doing at the moment is important to me and what I really want to do. Working with vulnerable women in Asia and South Asia and helping against domestic violence. And in the spirit of my father's community house, I think we can all play a role in the nurturing of this world, creating a better world, a more equal world. And we can do that through the global nurturing and through the care. Thank you. Well, Paul, your thoughts on that speech? Well, it's, it's a beautiful series of stories, and it's also built up to a very, very shocking story about the young woman who was treated in the way she was by her husband. It's also a speech in which the phrase um, every woman has basic human rights comes in at the very beginning and also it comes in close to the end. So there's a key message that this organization is going to use to build up its support, which is every woman has basic human rights. I think it was a very fine uh, speech. If I was evaluating it, at a Toastmasters meeting, I might suggest that the speech was a little unbalanced in that it was the story 
of the speaker's story, her father's story, mother's story, and all of this. And, and the ending wasn't long enough in terms of what she was wanting the audience to do. But the probability is that she's speaking at an event where somebody else is going to do that. Could so, be. Could be. Without knowing that, mm. I'm not sure what I would say, but I mm. thought it was a beautifully mm. constructed speech. I liked her intro. She managed to put an awful lot of emotion into her voice, which I liked. I thought that she could have maybe used that strap line of every, every woman has basic human rights more frequently during the, the speech to have given more emphasis to it. But I liked the way she told the stories, and certainly that last story was quite harrowing. I wonder where the phrase, every woman has basic human rights, uh, came from, into her life. I mean, mm. I, it's something that wouldn't make me blink if I heard it, but it clearly made a big difference to her. Yes. So, you know, after she left Procter & Gamble, mm. she wanted more, she wanted to do something more meaningful in her life. Perhaps it was the one experience of meeting this woman. Yeah, could be. Who led her to be. have it. But it, it would have even been interesting for her to say, during that time, I always uh, thought that human rights were available to everybody. And yeah. I, it was only yes. at a point I realized that it was women mm. who didn't have human rights. I'm not sure. But all I, I think we're, we're both saying that the phrase, every woman has basic human rights, it's a strong phrase, but it wasn't used enough. Yeah. And we talk about this quite often, the, the necessity, necessity in an inspirational speech to have this foundational phrase, which is repeated That's a number of times yeah. during your speech. We'll bring the episode to a close now and invite you to come back tomorrow at the same time when we're going to have something which is very topical given the... COVID-19 virus, which is ravaging us around the world. And this is the subject of online meetings. Now, we've talked about online meetings before, but not how to hold them. This is the, going to be the 101 of how to hold an online meeting. The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website, irishtalkers.com, for more information.